You're listening to the Morphology Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Morphology Podcast, aka Murph here to share interviews about biking experiences from cyclists who have pedaled to places all over. Each week we will get to know new people and explore new destinations to ride your bike. As you listen to these adventures, you may wonder, why haven't I done that yet? Well, on the show today, it's just me, and I'm going to give you a recap of my recent trip to Missouri, where I rode the entire Katy Trail, west to east. I would highly recommend checking out this trail if you haven't yet. The Katy Trail is in the Rail Trail Hall of Fame, and you can learn more about it at bikekatytrail.com. It spans about 240 miles across most of Missouri, and about half of the trail follows the Lewis and Clark path along the Missouri River. It is a rustic limestone trail, formerly the MKT rail line, and remnants still remain, like the old communication poles. I spent the week riding the Katy Trail and wanted to share my experience with you. So first off, we decided to do the west to east route, which is Clinton, Missouri to Mockins, Missouri, and we ended up using Amtrak with our bikes. It was so awesome. We went online and bought a train ticket that included a bicycle. It was 36 bucks for a coach seat and only $10 for the bike. Um, they do limit each train ride to only four bikes, so make sure you look ahead uh, when you're planning your trip. So we loaded up our bikes, drove to St. Louis to the downtown Amtrak station. They had convenient and secure long-term parking within about a block from the terminal. So we get to the terminal. Once it's time to board, we took an elevator with our bikes since there were quite a few stairs. And then once we're outside, we walk to the train. We find the conductor who was there to meet us. And he told us which car to enter with our bikes. Now, they do not help you out with your bikes. Um, we were fully loaded, so they were extremely heavy and awkward and bulky. Um, you have to lift the bikes up. I think it's like three stairs. Um, but once you can get that, you know, if I could go back and do it again, I would have removed my bike bags before lifting my bike up. But I was nervous. I wanted to make sure the train wasn't going to just start moving on me. So I heaved my bike up those three stairs. Once you're up, though, uh, the conductor put us in a car that had hooks hanging in the back of the car. And so we were told to hang our bikes on the hooks. We took the bags off, piled them in between the bikes, and away we went. I found the train ride to be very relaxing, plenty of open seating, uh, had Wi-Fi charging ports in every seat, and the ride was very quiet and smooth. Um, they even had a little cafe car. Uh, you could get a beer for $5.50 and some, I don't know, like uh, frozen pizzas or some little sandwiches. So I thought that was kind of cool. Now, unfortunately, they, something I, I don't quite understand, but sometimes the Amtrak has to stop to give right away to other trains. Um, I don't know if they're switching tracks or passing by us. I'm not really sure how that worked, but we ended up having a pretty long train delay where we were stopped on the tracks in the middle of nowhere waiting for that other train to do whatever it was going to do. 
So we talked to the conductor, and our original plan was to take the Amtrak all the way to Kansas City, um, but we weren't going to be able to get into Kansas City till super late, like almost midnight. We were on our bikes. We weren't really sure where we were going to stay. So this conductor was awesome. It's obvious that tons and tons of cyclists who are on that train are doing the Katy Trail. So he whips out his map and he suggested that we get off the train in Sedalia, that he would uh, help us, you know, open up that door, get our bikes off, get off at the Sedalia Amtrak station. And uh, that is one of the communities along the Katy Trail. So he suggested get off there, camp there, and then in the morning, pedal west to where the Katy Trail starts and then begin our journey there. So yes, we got off in Sedalia. It was really easy to get off the train, put our bags on. Um, it was dark, but we you know, used our phones to find a little bar up the street called Fitter's Fifth Street Pub, had a great meal. Um, from there, we rode, uh, I think it was about three miles to the state fairground, which is also camping year-round. Um, the campground was a huge area, um, and I can only assume during the state fair that this place is packed. So tons of spaces for RVs, electric hookups, all that good stuff. Um, there were also hot showers and restrooms available. I will caution not the cleanest of restrooms, but it was better than nothing. And here's a pro tip for you. Uh, there are clearly marked men's restrooms and women's restrooms. They're really rustic looking, but there's this cement building in between them and it doesn't have any writing on it. There are these windows way down low. And this building is actually what the security guy called the new shower house. Um, one side was for women, one side was for men. And, um, this building was much more modern. I can't say that it was a ton cleaner, but I don't know. It felt a little bit better than the rustic version right outside. So that's where we camped. A quick interruption to tell you this week's podcast is sponsored by Lizard Lips Lip Balm. These great lip balms contain natural ingredients, come in a variety of flavors, and you can choose certified organic or balms with sun protection. Check it out at lizardlips.net. Now back to the show. Okay, day one begins. We left the Sedalia campground probably around 9 a.m. Um, the trailhead was just around the corner from this campground, which was so cool. From there, we biked west to Clinton, which is the official starting trailhead. Uh, the first stop was in Green Ridge, and there was a Casey's General Store. Now, if you're not familiar with Casey's. It's a popular stopping place. It's like a general store, gas station. Cyclists love to stop here, at least the cyclists that I spend time with. So if you ever see one, be sure to stop. You can purchase sandwiches, pizza, snacks, ice, drinks, pretty much anything you might need. Um, we carry small coolers on our bikes along with all of our camping gear. Um, we even have lightweight foldable chairs so we can take breaks on some of the beautiful bridges on the trail. And so we, you know, got some ice, got a few beers, and away we went. I thought the Katy Trail was in great condition, and based on the amount of dust on my legs and my bike, maybe even a bit on the dry side, but that's way better than rain and mud, in my opinion. 
Um, and as you know, the Katy Trail is a rail trail. So for the most part, it's straight and pretty flat. The scenery is just spectacular with the tree canopy and the tall rock formations, the really steep bluffs. Oh, it was awesome. As we got closer to the town of Windsor, we had to take a detour due to construction in the area. It was clearly marked and pretty easy to get through. It maybe added a mile to our day, so really simple. We did take a brief bridge stop near Calhoun and then made our way to Clinton. And here's a fun fact if you're planning to do the entire Katy Trail, which like I mentioned is Clinton to Mockins, both of these trailheads have a bell hanging at the depot so you can ring it when you begin your journey and then ring it again at the other end when you end your journey. Well, the Clinton bell was missing. I don't know if it was stolen or broken, but it was not there. But if you happen to look at my Instagram photos, you may not realize, but I photoshopped a bell into the photo. So although there was no bell to ring, I pretended like it was there. Oh, and one note about the depots in every town along the Katy Trail. They have maps you can take, and I highly recommend grabbing one as soon as you see one. These maps are full of information about where to find water, restrooms, food, etc. And we use that map quite often throughout our trip. Also, budget in some time to check out the information posted at each depot. They have history and fun facts about the area, pretty neat photos as well. So at this point, here we are in Clinton, and we technically turn around and begin our trek east on the Katy Trail. Passing back through Calhoun, there's a really cool old barn worthy of a photo. And from there, we maneuvered through the detour again in Windsor and found another Casey's to stock up. Here's a pro tip, be sure you have enough water and food. I would say a good rule of thumb is to carry a day's worth of food because many of the businesses on the Katy Trail are not open on Monday, Tuesday, and some are even closed on Wednesdays. Now many of the depots have water, but finding food can be a challenge. Like seriously, our only food stops this day were at Casey's. Eventually, we made it back to the Sedalia Fairgrounds and camped in the same place. Camping here was like 12 bucks a night, and the only way to pay is when the security guy stops by to collect. Now, this guy was quite a character. His name is Jim, and he will talk your ear off. He used to be a professional fisherman, and boy, oh boy, he has a lot of stories. So when you see an old suburban pull up next to your tent, be prepared to uh, stand around for a long time. But Jim's a great guy. Uh, he told us about the secret new shower house, which I was very thankful for. So after a hot shower and a meal consisting of a granola bar and a beer, it was bedtime. Day one was 72.45 miles and 1,100 feet of climb. And even though it was an out and back kind of day, there was still so much to see. Day two, we left the Sedalia Fairgrounds and rode the short route back to the trailhead. This time, we headed east. And a few miles through town, we found yet another Casey's. So, of course, we had to stop. 
I highly recommend their breakfast sandwiches. They're so good. The next stop was just a few miles further at the Sedalia Depot. This was a really cool stop because they had all kinds of fun photo ops. They had old train cars. They had a really big depot, a little museum. So we spent a little bit of time there. From the Sedalia Depot, we followed the clearly marked signs on paved trails kind of winding through the city until we found the familiar limestone trail again. Again, the tree canopy was just beautiful. We rode along to the next depot, which was Clifton City, where we made a brief stop to read up on the history of the area. Then on our way to Pilot Grove, we decided to make a trail stop at a cool tunnel. We set up our chairs, cracked a beer, had a snack, and enjoyed nature. Another cyclist stopped to say hi, and we realized he had camped at the fairgrounds the night before as well. He ended up chatting with us long enough to enjoy a beer with us. Uh, he also broke the bad news that he found a tripod on the trail about three miles back, and yep, it was mine. I didn't even realize it fell out of my bike bag. And unfortunately, he left it there in case someone came back for it, and I decided it wasn't worth it to backtrack to go get it. Hopefully someone grabbed it and put it to good use. And I've since been on Amazon to order a new one, so no big deal. Anyway, back on the bikes, and the next stop was the Pilot Grove Depot, where we were able to refill our water bottles and use the restroom. From there, we realized another Casey's was close by, so you guessed it, we had to go. From there, our next stop was Boonville. Be sure to give yourself some extra time here. They have a visitor center full of cool stuff, and then across the street is a depot along with train cars and a nice picnic area. From here, you can choose to take a short route onto an old train bridge, which was the original Katy Trail Path. This bridge isn't completed all the way across anymore, so you're not allowed to actually cross the river here. It's more of a place like for photos and good views. Now the official route takes you through Boonville and over the bridge via a protected bike lane. There's also a huge casino you pass by, so if you're into gambling, you may want to schedule extra time here. So once you're over the bridge, you end up back on the rail trail, and the next depot was in New Franklin. Be sure to check out the old building just off the trail. I have no idea what it was used for, but it is so cool. And speaking of cool, just before the Roachport Depot, you will find a beautiful old stone tunnel. But before entering, there is a sign that says to keep moving and beware of falling rocks. I'm thankful we did not see any. But we did see the A-frame wine garden sign uh, just off the trail, and wow, worth taking the time to go to this winery. The views of the Missouri River Valley are spectacular, and the food and wine are great as well. After Roachport, you will be wowed again, or at least I was, with the rock formations and bluffs next to the trail. I spent considerable time thinking about how they blasted through these rocks to make the rail line way back in the day. It had to have been quite a feat. So the only two things I wanted to accomplish on this trip, one, pedal every mile of the Katy Trail, and two, to see the burr oak tree in Columbia. Now this tree, is about a quarter of a mile off the trail, but man, oh man, it is a must-see. This tree is special because it's over 
400 years old. So just think of all the history this tree has lived through. It was even struck by lightning not too long ago and started on fire, and yet it's still thriving. We made it to this tree just before dusk and spent an hour or so just being with the tree. By this time, it was dark and pretty chilly, so we just made a brief stop at the McBain Depot after leaving the tree. I took a quick photo, and we were back on our bikes. We only had about seven miles to get to our camp spot in Eastleigh, and it was maybe two miles from the camp spot. We made a brief stop to add a layer of clothing on, and that's when I discovered my phone was missing. Ugh. You don't really realize how much of a lifeline a phone is until it's gone. But luck was on my side. With the help of a few friends back home, who I share my location with, we were able to backtrack, it was about five miles, to its last known location, and there it was, laying in the middle of the trail. That phone could have easily bounced into the weeds and been lost forever. I'm so thankful we went back and found it. So eventually we made it to Eastleigh where the campground was located right on the trail and next to a bar called Cooper's Landing. Unfortunately, it was closed by the time we got there. But with the help of some other campers, we got situated in our spot right on the river. This is a primitive camp spot. No showers, no real restrooms. They did have some porta pots in front of the bar. So at least we had bathrooms and we did find a water spigot. Now, the best part of this campground was waking up to a spectacular view of the Missouri River. So factoring in the phone debacle and having to backtrack, we ended up doing 79.4 miles that day and 870 feet of climb. And assuming you'll be pedaling when it's light out, just before you get to Cooper's Landing, keep your eye out for Boathenge. It's kind of like Stonehenge. It's a series of boats painted in bright colors and half buried vertically in the dirt. Pretty darn cool. So day three, we woke up early in Easley to the sound of large moving trucks. There was a large group of volunteers busy getting ready for the arrival of a bunch of fourth graders on a field trip. And as we were packing up, two busloads of kids arrived and it was pretty fun to see and hear their excitement to be there. Man, I used to love going on field trips. So back on the bike, we were just outside of Hartsburg. We happened upon a huge field of sunflowers. They were a bit past their peak bloom, but wow, it was still quite a sight to see. From the Hartsburg Depot, we cruised into the North Jefferson Depot. From here, we strayed off the Katy Trail onto a spur that took us into Jefferson City. To get across the bridge, they built this amazing three-level ramp that is by far the biggest and most bike-accessible ramp I have ever seen. It was at a nice grade and easy turn, so we were able to stay on our bikes all the way to the bridge. One note, once you're on the bridge, you're on a dedicated bike lane, and I'm really not sure what it's made of, but it's super bouncy as you pedal, so much so that we thought we had flat tires at first. But across the bridge we went and into Jefferson City, which is the capital of Missouri. It is a city full of very steep roads. But if you head towards all the restaurants, you're in for a nice view of the Capitol building. We found an old bar and grill called Bones, which felt 
kind of like a speakeasy. It had an alley entrance. The food was excellent, and the bartender happened to be from Iowa. So we had a good time talking with her. After eating, we reversed back to the Katy Trail, and our next stop was in Tebbets. We didn't stay, but found a cool biker hostel called the Turner Katy Trail Shelter. This old two-story structure, which was a gift from the Turner family, has been modified with restrooms and showers and a bunch of bunk beds. Might be worth checking out if you're planning to stay there in the future. From there, we made a quick stop at the Mocane Depot before making our way to our final destination for the night. Between Mocane and Portland, there were some crazy cool rock formations worth stopping to check out. One was called Standing Rock. Be sure to read about it when you're there. So we stayed in a campground right on the trail in Portland, which had a hot shower, a place to charge devices, and a restaurant directly across the street. The camp host, Melody, was awesome and even offered up some wood for a campfire. We ate at that restaurant across the street called Holzhauser Bar and Grill. Excellent service, and the food was really good. The only bummer was that they allowed smoking inside, so we didn't really linger that long. So that day we ended with 55.5 miles and 328 feet of climb. The next morning from Portland, we cruised through Rhineland and then into Herman. Now, to get to Herman, there's a three-mile spur from the trail, and many people use this to get into the town of Herman. We decided not to go and then found out later they were celebrating Oktoberfest, so we totally should have gone. Instead, we went to the local market right on the highway and had a fabulous lunch. McKittrick was next, and this town is so cute. There is a huge cement structure right next to the train depot with murals of Missouri on it, and also some old buildings in the area worthy of photos. After this depot, we found a cool bridge, so we stopped, set up our chairs, and enjoyed the scenery along the river. From there, we made it to the Tree Lord Depot and found a fun bar and grill that was open. It was cleverly named Treelore Bar and Grill. Great service and the food was delish. From there, we made it into Marthasville right at dusk and met our camp host, Don, who, for a whopping $5, opens up the restroom, which has hot showers and, of course, bathrooms. This campground is right on the Little League Ball Diamonds and within a stone's throw of the trail. And next door was Corey's Twin Gables Bar and Grill. Pretty cool place, uh, but they also allowed smoking inside, so we didn't stay very long. So this day ended with 39.82 miles and only 93 feet of climb. And it was nice to have a shorter day. Um, we had planned this, knowing that a lot of the businesses aren't open during the beginning of the week. We planned to get most of our big miles at the beginning of the week so we could enjoy ourselves as the week went on. And this was a great plan. We loved it. Day five, we packed up and left Marthasville. One option is to stop at the KT Caboose, located right on the trail, and you can enjoy a good breakfast and a hot cup of coffee here. They also allow primitive camping. We decided to keep moving, and a short four miles later on the trail, we made it to Dutzau and had a wonderful breakfast at Dutzau Deli and Restaurant. Super cute place, and in the same parking lot, there was a bike shop. From there, 
Before arriving in Augusta, just off the trail, you can conquer a very, very steep climb that requires walking slash pushing your bike, but it will lead you to the Blumhof Vineyard and Winery. Fields of grapes, part ways, and a cute building with a huge outdoor chill space is up there. And cheese and crackers, along with their house wine, were delicious. Back on the trail, Augusta was our next depot stop. This town is full of historic buildings, more wineries in every direction, and a fabulous brewery called Good News Brewing Company. It's just around the corner from the depot and worth a short hike up. From here, the trail took us to the Matson Depot, and across the street was the Daniel Boone Judgment Tree Memorial, where apparently Daniel Boone held court when he was a judge. Defiance was our next stop, and this is a busy community and popular for both bicycles and motorcycles. We stayed long enough to enjoy a Bloody Mary at a bar called Don's Place before hopping back on the bikes. Next stop was the Weldon Springs Depot. From there, we made it to the Green Bottom Road Depot. Now, we didn't check it out, but from this depot, you can cross the highway and another trail awaits you. I do not know where it goes, but another cyclist said that there was water and restrooms there. Now, our final destination for the day was historic St. Charles. Wow, this is a fabulous place to visit. Restaurants, bakeries, bars, breweries, and B&Bs line the streets. Here we met up with a couple of Missouri friends at a place called Llewellyn's. Now, St. Charles is full of history and cool buildings, so if you end up here, make sure you spend extra time and explore. I think there's even haunted tours you can take. They even call themselves the sister city to both Ludwigsburg, Germany, and Innishowen, Ireland. After Llewellyn's, we ended up eating delicious street tacos from Mission Taco Joint. And mileage for this day was only 39.68 miles and 63 feet of climb. Now, many people call it quits here, but, you know, I wanted to complete the Katy Trail, so we stayed in St. Charles with a plan to ride the final 12 miles in the morning. Which brings me to our last day. So from St. Charles, like I said, it was just 12 miles to Mockins, which is the end of the Katy Trail. There was just one depot along the route in Black Walnut, and then three miles later, we made it. At the Mockins Depot, the bell was there and waiting, and I was pretty pumped to ring it. The Katy Trail adventure was complete. Well, almost. We had to pedal back to St. Charles from Mockins. So mileage that day was an easy 24 miles, 89 feet of climb. So overall, I give the Katy Trail five out of five stars. And even though there were not a lot of businesses open, with a little planning, we had no problems finding food, water, and camping. It was great meeting other cyclists and hearing where they're from and some of their adventures. We met a really cool guy from New Zealand who was came specifically to Missouri to experience the Katy Trail. Um, everyone was conquering the Kitty Trail in a different way. Some were part of a supported tour, some were e-biking it, some were hoteling their way, and some were like us, carrying all their gear and camping along the way. So be sure to check out BikeKatyTrail.com for tons and tons of information about the trail, and hopefully my experience 
influences you to go check out the Katy Trail. Well, listeners, that's it for this week. Email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com if you have a topic or the name of a cyclist you find interesting. Support my podcast at patreon.com slash morphology and visit both my Facebook and Instagram pages for daily entertainment. Also, a quick shout out to Simmons Electric for sponsoring this episode. I have more great episodes in the pipeline, so I hope you continue to be a Murphology Podcast listener. Mm-hmm.